Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Monday, June 28th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Serretta, and joining me on his podcast, the Slash Home Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. So, Brad, it's just you and me again today. It's almost like the Loki podcast or the Star Wars podcast or, you know, whatever, all the podcasts we do together. But uh, it seems like you are the one on the Slash Films staff that has ridden up all the big stories in the last few days. So, oh, lucky me. So congratulations. You have won a trip to Slash Film Daily Studios, which doesn't exist anywhere other than virtually. So, okay, uh, let's start things off with this weekend. Uh, Fast 9 or F9, whatever you want to call it, came out in theaters. It seems like this signals that the pandemic is officially over. Uh, how did it do at the box office, Brad? Yes, F9 is doing fine. Put it on the poster. Um, the the, uh, <laughs> the ninth installment, well, I guess 10th installment of the Fast and Furious franchise, if we count Hobbs and Shaw, but the, uh, the ninth proper movie uh, had a huge weekend at the box office, raking in an estimated $70 million. Uh, which is impressive um, by pandemic standards, uh, beating A Quiet Place Part 2 as the previous record holder, which got around $48 million. Uh, and comparatively, uh, speaking of Hobbs and Shaw, it actually surpasses the opening weekend of that movie, which only had $60 million in its opening weekend. Um, comparatively, still not as good as if this were a normal box office year, because The Fate of the Furious earned a $98 million opening weekend back in 2017. But all things considered, $70 million is still solid, and it's enough to have the biggest opening weekend at the box office since Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker in 2019. And of course, that's just because of the pandemic, but still pretty cool. Yeah, it's about equivalent to the fourth film, Fast and Furious, um, but it's it's nowhere near the, the franchise's high of like $147 million with Fur Furious 7. Yeah, that was so. huge. Also, yeah. just a fun little fact I'd like to mention, uh, F9 uh, re resulted in a huge box office boost for nobody because it was uh, paired with it <laughs> at drive-ins. And so since F9 was playing with nobody, nobody saw a an over 3,000% increase in its box office total in its 13th weekend on the charts. So that's pretty cool. That is, that is 
That's funny. Okay, uh, Brad, did you go to the theater to see this? I did, actually. I did a private screening uh, with some friends and uh, a thoroughly enjoyable big screen experience. Uh, very silly, uh, exactly what I was expecting from the franchise. Not quite as good as their best. I would say it probably lands somewhere in the middle, but uh, definitely yeah. has a lot of enjoyable set pieces and good stuff. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk more about this on the water cooler, but I went to uh, my local theater in Century City, and it was packed. There was just like so many people back seeing movie theaters brad i could could get my own soda with my own cup out of the freestyle machine i didn't have to uh hand it to a guy to do that for me and yeah we had had we had a change at ours actually because uh when i went to see the one i went before was the conjuring uh and they weren't letting people do their own butter yet but the butter stations were back this time yeah butter stations were back and not only that but the snack like they had these snack stands that like are you know where you you line up to go to the cash registers uh, last time I was there, they were like behind the counter. <laughs> like you had to ask, like, "Oh, can I get that?" Um, I, I guess back. This, we're not going back in time that much because I guess it was only a few years ago we had to ask people, you know, "Can I get the M and M's?" and they would pull it out from something. <laughs> yeah, our our but, theater is actually still like that by default. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Even before the pandemic, um, our theater doesn't have the candy out. It's it's they have the display in the the glass cabinets, and then they you still have to ask for it. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, I I saw Fast Nine. I will say I, I I think I was probably on the the other end of things where I I, I liked I loved the action. The action so much fun, but it got a little bit too ridiculous for me. And I I what I love about the Fast series is not the family and the characters; it's the ridiculousness. And uh, I think it just got went a little too far. It, different moments yeah i agree but i was still laughing and having a good time yeah yeah okay uh speaking of the fast and the furious saga vin diesel was recently he recently appeared on a talk show what was the talk show i have it here somewhere uh the kelly clarkson show and he was asked (laughs) was asked kind of half jokingly if he would uh, if he would have any interest in a fast and furious musical and his answer was actually kind of surprising his answer was i'm dying to do a musical i've been dying to do a musical my whole life i was this close to doing guys and dolls with steven spielberg and we ended up not doing that but i'm dying to do a musical now, of course, there's been a ton of headlines online saying Vin Diesel is dying to do a Fast and the Furious musical. That's not what he said. He said, I'm dying to do a musical, not a Fast and the Furious musical. But it made me think, Brad, like, what would a Fast and the Furious musical even be? Is, he, like, is that a Broadway show? And how do you do cars on the stage? And, or is it, is it like, like do, do we get to the point in the Fast saga where you have the episode where it's like the Buffy episode where it's actually just the the one musical episode and it's not explained why everybody's singing. I I hope not just because, you know, <laughs> we keep coming up with like crazy things for Fast and Furious to do. Like at one time we were like, oh, well, yeah, next the franchise is going to space and now they are. So I don't even yeah. want to utter any like, oh, well, next they're going to do this because they're like, all right, fine. Challenge accepted. Um, and honestly, and but you know what, Brad? Space sounded like such a good idea. I am, but I imagined that it was going to be this heist and space on a space station or something like that. And what we got in the movie—no spoilers—was far less exciting. That's true, but it's it's so funny because like this is the the weirdest thing about the Fast and Furious franchise to me is they they go for these big set pieces that are unbelievable in themselves. It's like so crazy they make you laugh. 
And then they, but then when they approach doing something as ridiculous as going to space, they try to make it so that it's as believable as it can be. And then, and then that ends up being disappointing because you hope that it's something bigger that happens in space. But then when you think about it, that's just too unrealistic for this team to do a heist in space. So it's just, it's this crazy back and forth of, it's a very tricky balance that it's, it's impressive that they can even continue to pull it off. But I, I think a musical is too far. I, I, and I might get some flack for this. I'm not really a fan of when shows do the weird musical episode. Like I like musicals, but it just feels so forced and just like a really contrived way of doing something just because it's so it's something that they want to do. So I, I would be interested in seeing how they could pull this off on a stage, a Broadway stage, something like that. But man, I think it would be extremely difficult. Hey, we already know that The Rock can sing. We've seen that before. Uh, I mean, Diesel apparently he can, thinks he can sing. I think Dwayne Johnson can carry a tune. I'm not sure if he can full on sing. <laughs> and Vin Diesel, I mean, the single speaks for itself. So. <laughs> yeah. You know what I would like to see? Is I haven't seen uh, in Universal Studios in Florida. They they recently, during the pandemic, they actually came out with a new stunt show called The Born Stuntacular. And it takes place in a theater and they use this like technology that's almost like the technology you see being used to create the Mandalorian where it's this huge screen that's in the background, a huge uh, curved screen. And they're able to have buildings and stuff come up from the the stage and move around along with the what's being projected in the background. So it looks like you were actually in the middle of wherever you could be like people could be jumping from skyscrapers people it could be a car race and i feel like as much as like film nerds love the born series i mean i I think everybody loves the born series but it doesn't have the enthusiasm behind it with general audiences that i think the fast and the furious series has so i would love to see them do one of these stunt stage shows with this technology with Fast and the Furious. I feel like Fast and the Furious has gotten kind of the the short stick, especially in terms of like they're the biggest franchise in Universal history, right? I think they are. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe I, Universal Monsters as a whole. Yeah, but like, yeah, I think because it's, it's already surpassed Jurassic Park, hasn't it? Yeah. So I don't know. And, and what they have in the parks, I'm not sure if you have you ever experienced the Fast and the Furious thing in the tram tour? Uh, yes. Yes, I have. You don't sound happy about that. It's fine. It's uh, it very much reminds me of like um, the stunt shows that I used to see at like Six Flags. <laughs> yeah, my favorite part is when Michelle Rodriguez yells "Meet Asphalt" as she's like sending one of the bad guys off to. It's a good catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess let's move on from Fast and the Furious. Let's talk about Freaks and Geeks. This is a series that uh, met its end way too early. Uh, but it seems like that might have almost not happened. Brad, tell us about it. Yeah, if uh, if you don't know about Freaks and Geeks, um, it's this incredible series that came out in the, the early 2000s. Uh, actually, it might have been the year 2000, if I remember correctly. Um, and it's created by Paul Feig, executive produced by Judd Apatow. It was way ahead of its time. It's this coming-of-age story of these uh, teen kids um, living in, in middle America, and it was um, came at a time where it was doing single camera comedy in such a different way when the net- networks were still attached to multi-camera uh, comedies with live audiences. 
and it just didn't connect the way it should have, despite having critical acclaim. And it features this amazing ensemble cast of young Linda Cardellini, John Francis Daly, Jason Siegel, Seth Rogen, Busy Phillips, James Franco, even though we don't really need to talk about him anymore. Um, and everyone was hoping, you know, it would get a second season, but it was unceremoniously canceled uh, after just 18 episodes. But it sounds like there was an opportunity for a second season to happen. And Paul Feig and Judd Apatow decided not to act on it. I guess uh, they just recently revealed in an interview that MTV offered to do a second season of the show. But it sounded like because MTV doesn't have the same budget that a network like NBC has, uh, Feig and Apatow couldn't see themselves doing a second season when they knew how expensive the show already was. And they were already spreading themselves pretty thin because of how much it cost. So they opted not to uh, take MTV up on that offer. And uh, the rest is is history. Yeah, that's too bad because that that show is awesome. Well, it's it's interesting and... too because one of the most expensive things about the show was the licensing rights for the music in it, and that's famously why it took a long time for it to be released oh. on home video, and uh, why it's only just now coming out on digital. But you, you it would be you would think uh, you know a place like MTV might be able to help with that, you know, since uh, music used to be their thing. But apparently it just they just couldn't pull it off. You know, everybody always talks about Freaks and Geeks. And Brad, I, I wanted to bring the, up this other show to you to see if you had seen it. Because I, I don't know why people don't talk about this, but I hope you're going to say yes. I, I hope you were going to say that. Yeah, Undeclared, not quite as good as Freaks and Geeks, but a spiritual oh, sequ- yeah, not- a spiritual sequel and still very funny. Yeah, it's written by Judd. It, uh, oh, Seth Rogen was a writer there, and uh, Greg Matola was a director on it. And Jay, Jay Baruchel yeah, is the lead, yeah. Yeah, so if you like Freaks and Geeks and you want to see more than that kind of style, I think it came out around the same time. I think it was. Yeah, maybe 2001. Think, yeah, it was just a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, speaking of comedy TV shows, Nathan Fielder has created uh, one of the best comedy tv shows of all time in my opinion nathan for you i love it so much and uh you know that came to an end a couple years back but it seems like he's he's coming out with a new comedy series for hbo tell us about it brad yeah nathan fielder has a uh first look deal at hbo and the hbo ordered a new half hour comedy series called the rehearsal that nathan fielder will be writing directing executive producing and starring in Um, There are very few details on the show, but it's described as being, quote, set in a world where nothing seems to ever work out as you hoped. And in the show, Nathan Fielder will be giving people the opportunity to rehearse for their own life. So to me, that sounds like it's probably (laughs) a reality TV documentary angle in a similar vein as Nathan for you. But knowing, you know, someone like Fielder, he could easily be doing a mix of scripted and that or something scripted that like just fits the vibe of that kind of show. Um, But I think that there's a lot of potential to create the same kind of awkward, candid comedy that he did with Nathan for you in a show that allows people to, you know, rehearse for their own life. And I'm sure he will make it as weird and awkward as possible. (laughs) Yeah. What I'm imagining is like, you know, some guy that wants to propose to his girlfriend or boyfriend and, you know, it comes to Nathan Fielder to help him. Like he, he wants this big proposal, but he doesn't want it to go wrong. So they staged a pro- proposal in front of like the Eiffel Tower or something like that. And, uh, you know, obviously everything goes wrong in a coordinated effort to get this guy to be prepared. I, I, that's what I picture. Is that what you're picturing? 
Um, I don't know about things going wrong, but I just think that maybe it's I feel I, I picture Nathan doing the same thing where he gives like not the best advice on how to do things <laughs> and the, and then putting them in this scenario where they have to like act it out and stick to it because they don't want to make confrontation and they don't know how to respond to the weirdness of it all. Yeah. Okay, our final two stories have to do with some set of spoilers. Uh, Brad, which one do you think we should tackle first, WandaVision or Dexter? Um, let's let's go with WandaVision because I think we'll find that there's there's not really anything to the the, the theories that are going around about this little bit. Okay, so if you have not seen the final episode of WandaVision, you might want to tune out now, even though I don't know. Is it, I guess it is a spoiler because it's like the end credit yeah. scene. So yeah, if you haven't seen WandaVision, tune out now. Uh, Brad, uh, why don't you recap what the post-credit scene for WandaVision was and what ha- it's been sneakily altered by Marvel Studios and why we think that is? Yes. So at the end of WandaVision, Wanda Maximoff um, takes the Dark Hold, which is this mystical book full of instructions on how to complete dark, powerful magic from Agatha Harkness, and takes her true form as the Scarlet Witch. And in the credit scene, we see Wanda Maximoff in this secluded cabin in the middle of the mountains and the woods, uh, where she's simultaneously sitting on a porch drinking coffee or tea, but also using an astral projection of herself inside the cabin to study the dark hold and learn how to continue to expand and control her powers as Scarlet Witch. And somehow, Marvel fans noticed over the weekend that there were some subtle changes made to the end credit sequence. Uh, on first inspection, it's ju- mostly just aesthetic things. For some reason, they swapped out some of the trees that are surrounding the cabin and made them a little bit more uh, full and like j- just changed the general look about it. They also removed a duck from the, the lake for some reason. <laughs> um, but one of the weird things that's, that people noticed is that there was this strange semi-transparent um, object that was floating among the trees in the mountains and appeared to be going towards the cabin. And a lot of people thought that this was Marvel sneakily updating the credit scene so that it teased the arrival of Doctor Strange or at least an astral projection of him visiting Scarlet Witch at this cabin. Other fans thought maybe it could be White Vision going to reunite uh, with Scarlet Witch. However, um, a, a person on on Reddit who is skilled with visual effects and whatnot, apparently, um, figured out that it looks like this is just a post-production error where um, one of the things that they apparently changed was getting rid of a little bit of like a light source that was shining from the back of the cabin through a front window, and they um, wiped it out. But apparently the remnant of whatever effect that they had to use to do that somehow was lingering in the entire shot so that it looks like it's moving down the mountain when in reality it's staying in the same spot and it's the shot that's actually moving. And, and the person showed like a, a video detailed video using Adobe after effects, how this mistake was likely left <laughs> left in and everything. And it, and it matches up perfectly and makes perfect sense. So it looks like this was something where they felt like maybe they didn't get to do the right aesthetic touches visually uh, before the scene was released. And they just wanted to fix it kind of like, you know, star Wars special edition, I guess. And, something went wrong and they didn't realize it. And now Marvel fans are in a tizzy. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, this happens more than people think. They think that this is like uh, something that rarely happens, but usually the films you end up seeing in the theater are a little bit different than what ends up coming on home video because 
uh, they're always like racing to the finish line of like especially the visual effects and stuff especially on like bigger movies like the star wars movies and by the time they actually hit home video some of the stuff has been uh you know finished more i I don't want to say changed like nothing significantly changed but but that does happen all the time It, it is weirder in this respect because it you know they had a lot of time because of the pandemic and then uh and then it aired on TV on Disney Plus, and then they're replacing it on Disney Plus. But I guess it's the same, the same thing, right? Like, yeah. And I yeah. and since it's a post credit scene, it could have been something that was you know being worked on up until the last minute because maybe it was uh, they were debating what to do, and it was a last minute thing that they did. Yeah, I know that there was rumors that or not rumors. I think Feige even confirmed at one point that Doctor Strange was going to appear. Yeah, they had they they've confirmed and they talked about that it was one yeah. of the possibilities and it was written and everything. But then they decided they didn't want to steal any of Scarlet Witch's thunder by bringing Doctor yeah, Strange yeah. in. Okay, our final story for today involves Dexter. They are reviving Dexter to bring it back and hopefully give it give the series uh, the better finish that it didn't have in its original run. And uh, some big news today that they have cast a, an actor from the show who was a fan favorite. Brad, tell us about it. Yeah, easily the best guest star that Dexter ever had uh, is John Lithgow. And somehow he's going to be coming back for this Dexter revival as Arthur Mitchell, a.k.a. the Trinity Killer from the fourth season of the show. Um, but what's interesting about this is spoiler alert for that season of the show. Indeed, because he's dead. He was killed (laughs) by Dexter on the show. Um, so we don't know how he's being brought back. I think that we can safely assume he won't be brought back to life or anything like that, because even as silly as Dexter can be and has been at times, uh, that's probably too much for this show. But apparently uh, it's said that the show has, quote, concocted a pathway for the Trinity Killer to come back that works within the larger Dexter narrative. And what that means to me is probably we will see some kind of eh, hallucination of the Trinity Killer, whether it's manifesting itself for Dexter or for another character. And what I'm thinking is that since Dexter has been carrying his dark passenger with him since he was a kid, the the urge and ambition he has to kill, um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe his son Harrison, who would be a teenager now, maybe has a dark passenger of his own. And since the Trinity Killer is responsible for killing his mother and leaving Harrison in a puddle of her own blood in that season, uh, that maybe his dark passenger will manifest itself in the form of John Lithgow. And uh, I think that's supported, too, by the fact that Lithgow is apparently only supposed to be shooting for a day or so in L.A., so this isn't going to be a huge role throughout the season. And it might just be, like, a little thing that maybe pops up at the end that, like, reveals something new about Dexter's son. Maybe it'll lead to, like, a spinoff series where Dexter and his son are killers together. Who knows? Uh, (laughs) And anything is possible. But bringing Lithgow back is cool just because he was great in the original series, and hopefully it's worth it bringing him back for the revival. I feel like this is the creatives getting together and being like, okay, the, this series ended on a really bad note. People didn't like that last episode. They definitely didn't like the last like couple seasons of the show. What did people like about Dexter? Oh, yeah, John Lithgow. Is there any way we can get John Lithgow? And he's dead? It, guys, you can come up with something, right? Like That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. 
don't know. Uh, hopefully, hopefully this is better than the last couple seasons. Brad, I know you, uh, you didn't see the, the last couple seasons of Dexter, but you have watched Dexter. Is, is this anything that you were interested in actually watching? Yeah, I mean, it's the only season I didn't watch was the final one because I saw such an averse reaction to it that I never went out of my way to to watch it. Um, but I liked the show. Um, you know, e- even when it started getting bad, I was still, you know, enjoying it. And this might be, you know, uh, motivation for me to finally watch that final season and to, and then you know see what happens with this new one so i'm i'm at least curious yeah i have seen that final season and we were in the slash film slack channel trying to figure out uh what actually happened during that final season because i don't even re- i've seen it i remember that final shot because everybody's seen that final shot um but i was like is this was that the season that he fell in love with his sister and it was like this incest angle nope it wasn't that it was i don't know it, 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 it's so forgettable and so bad, but I I will give it another try because I, I have been one of those people that sticks up for Dexter. I think those first few seasons are some not just good television, but some great television. So um, I'm hoping there's some kind of vindication for this series because it really ended on a really sour note. But OK, uh, you can find all the stories we mentioned on today's podcast on slashfilm.com you can find this podcast on apple google overcast spotify please send your feedback questions comments concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com and please rate and review this podcast on apple Podcasts. tell your friends spread the word and we'll see you tomorrow